Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. And for the first time in a while, it is Zach Hubbard back with us, joining us. First time since we previewed the month of June, we knew that there was going to be some action. And Carolina has landed their first commitment since the month of February. So he is with us to talk about that. We've got a couple other guys uh, that have been visiting campus so far. A couple of important uh, upcoming official visits this weekend. We'll preview some of those with you guys. And of course, uh, we'll look back to that first weekend that had so many official visits as well that were extremely important for Carolina. And uh, it's going to be a great episode. And and we start off, uh, as we mentioned, Carolina's first commit since uh, back on February 24th was the last time Carolina had a commit. That was from an in-state edge rusher. This one also from an in-state edge rusher, a four-star as well, in uh, Leesville Road High School's Bo Atkinson. Carolina lands their second in-state recruit of the class, their second edge rusher of the class in Bo Atkinson. And uh, I know, you know, Zach, when you saw this, you probably, you know, ha- had a little bit of an of understanding of, you know, what Carolina was looking for and what they got in Bo Atkinson. Uh, you know, I think this is a guy that a lot of people probably that don't follow recruiting is in depth, uh, probably don't know a whole lot about because he is a recent, a recent offer for Carolina, just received an offer back on June 4th. But uh, this is a really good commitment for Carolina. This is a guy that uh, he, he just became a four-star. Don't see how he wasn't already a four-star. And I think this is somebody that Carolina fans are, are really going to grow to love as they start to learn a little bit more about him. Absolutely. Like you mentioned, uh, just a recent offer here within the month of June. So this moved pretty quickly. But he was a guy, at least in-state, that has been on the radar as you know, as a power five guy, as a even a high end power five guy, sort of at the national level. I mean, look at uh, for those that saw his tweet yesterday. I mean, his top three or his final three rather was North Carolina, Miami, and Michigan, if I remember correctly. Um, so he had you know legit national interest from some of these programs that we see regularly competing in that top twenty five and you know competing at the highest level. Um, but like you mentioned, you know, a pretty quick recruitment here. Um, the in-state school, North Carolina, offered, got him in a camp setting, was able to see him. I think that was sort of the you know, trepidation that we saw and the reason that there have been, you know, not as many prospects, not only because spots are limited in the 2022 class, but just because for schools across the country uh, with this class, I mean, they have not seen real verified um, you know, technique, verified height, weight, mm-hmm. speed, things along those lines in a good while. Um, so, you know, Bo Atkinson, Bo Atkinson, excuse me, was a guy that they wanted to see, you know, up close and personal. 
uh, was able to see him verify sort of what makes him special, uh, gave him that offer, and then you know, just a few weeks later, and here he is committed. Um, in terms of who he is as a prospect to move into that, um, I think you first, uh, what jumps off is just his size. Listed at 6'6", 240, he's got a really, really good build. Um, and I think he allows some positional versatility as well. Uh, like you mentioned, sort of projecting as an edge rusher type, but you know, with that frame, potentially, if they wanted to, it's not out of the question that he could, um, you know, gain 40 to 50 pounds and play defensive end, or even just stay sort of where he is, and then, you know, on very pass rush heavy um, snaps, they could move him sort of to that four eye position uh, on a, on a singular snap basis. Um, but offers that versatility, great motor, great size, you know, good arm length, and you know, really just plays with a strength about him. I think that's one of the primary characteristics that I noticed in this film is just, you know, he, he's getting physical with guys, mm-hmm. and of course, that's you know, that's something that um, you always love to see, sort of that old-fashioned mentality of we're gonna we're gonna go out and we're gonna be physical with you, and we're you know gonna put it all in the line, so. I really like this pickup. Um, I, I think that it is, you know, a guy that they were able to uh, thankfully get on campus. It's always great, as we discussed, to uh, you know, get these in-state guys when you have that talent. That's one of the things that North Carolina has really focused on and made part of its culture. It is really sort of, you know, locking down the state of North Carolina, making their team, um, you know, built up of first and foremost North Carolina guys. And, you know, as we've seen over the past couple of years, the state of North Carolina is continuously getting more talented. And here's just another example of that. Yeah, he, he's a guy. And, and, you know, I know that a lot of people look and, and say with him, well, you know, he didn't have Clemson. He didn't have Ohio State up there. I mean, you look at the, the, the past history at Miami and Michigan, even in the recent past here, uh, they have had some really good defensive linemen that have come through there. So I think that should show you what you need to know about him, uh, that he had those two schools recruiting him at a high level. And like you said, 6'6", 240, I think one thing that people need to realize with that size is he comes in bigger than Des Evans was when he entered campus. So this is a guy that if he's staying on the edge, he's already got a really good frame. And this is a frame that, you know, you can probably make an impact with early if you need to. Um, you know, in terms of the position flexibility, I, I'm not really sure. I, I think that's more, you know, what does Carolina kind of see his role as? And I think, you know, part of that is going to depend on what, how they feel about the edge rushers. Because you have to remember that after this year, you are going to be losing Timon Fox off the edge. You are going to be losing Tyrone Hopper off the edge. So I think, you know, it'll depend on what do they see from guys like Des Evans, Kamen Rucker, who's going to move out to the edge this year, uh, play there a little more often. He'll probably show some of that flexibility that you think you could see at some point with Atkinson. Um, and, and, you know, Chris Collins, another guy there. But if those guys can perform well, then, yeah, you might see them try to add some weight to him, maybe see if he can play a little bit inside, but I think it really all depends on how they feel out there on the edge, and I mean, look, if they keep him on the edge, uh, he's he's going to be fine. Um, he's not the fastest guy. Um, that That's really going to be more of what you're going to see from Hamrick. Hamrick's going to be a guy, especially, and, and that shouldn't shock you, but especially with his size, he's going to be that guy that's going to be more speed-oriented off the edge. Uh, like you mentioned, I mean, he played... Bo Atkinson plays with a lot of physicality. Uh, he is, I mean, he has no problem throwing offensive tackles, even guards aside. He, he likes the physicality. He welcomes it. Um, but I, I think the main thing that I took away from watching his film, and you mentioned it a little bit there, was the motor. Uh, he plays every play the same exact way. He doesn't take plays off. Um, and, and, you know, again, I, I think, you know, people will, that, that that's kind of a cliche because you say, well, shouldn't everybody take, you know, play hard on every play? I mean, yeah, but you know, it's natural for, you know, sometimes when you get worn down for you not to put as much effort into some plays if, if a run's going uh, to the other side or uh, if a quarterback scrambles out of the pocket and takes off and beats you for you to just say, all right, you know, 
somebody downfield is going to get him. Uh, let me conserve a little bit of energy. But, I mean, he's a guy that multiple times you see him chasing down plays from behind on film. Um you know, he, he, he's just, I mean, he's an animal. He gets after it every single play. Um, and, you know, one of, one of the other things that I liked a lot about him as well was his release off the line of scrimmage. It's a very quick release, and that's extremely important for defensive linemen. Uh, you know, if they can get out of their stance quickly and beat some of those offensive linemen to the spot uh, into those gaps, it allows you to get a little bit of an advantage and allows you to establish a little bit of leverage, and he did that very often on film. I think the biggest thing for him, uh, you know, is he's going to have to add some technical elements to his game as a pass rusher. He's really more of just, I mean, he, tra- he wins off of off of strength and uh, that release off the line of scrimmage. The release won't go away. The strength advantage could against some stronger and faster offensive linemen at the college level. So I think some of those technical aspects of his game he may have to develop um, in terms of, you know, establishing a, a, a swim move, uh, a more consistent swim move, uh, maybe working in some other finesse moves there as well. But uh, this guy, this guy's got it. Uh, he's going to be a really, really good player uh, in this class. And, you know, one of the things that I think people, you know, will probably look at is now Carolina, this is their fifth commit of the class. So you mentioned that this is going to be a smaller class. The area that I've kind of been hearing from some of the recruiting insiders that are a little more tied uh, to what Carolina does is that it's probably going to be somewhere in the mid-teens. So, you know, I I think at this point, this kind of... You know, shuts down any more edge rushers in this class, which means a guy like DJ Wesselak, who was just on campus this past week, is probably out of the equation. Um, but, you know, I, I think, you know, one of the things that people are wondering is does this mean that Carolina is not going to take on any other, uh, you know, guys that, that uh, you know, potentially get after the passer um, outside of, of course, Travis Shaw. What do, you, what do you think about that? Does this appear like Carolina is, is probably done uh, in terms of defensive linemen and edge rushers outside of Shaw? There's a significant possibility of that. Now, in a lot of these recruitments, there are some times where, and it, it's going to depend on you know, how talented the staff really thinks some guys are. You get in some situations where you have, you know, a set goal for how many uh, recruits at a certain position you want to get, and you get a scenario where you have, you know, a guy that's just too talented to turn away. So that's going to be really the question here with a lot of these guys that you mentioned, such as DJ Wesselak, uh, Bryson Jennings, another sort of edge rusher type. Mm-hmm. And then um, Xavier Simmons is another name um, who can, you know, potentially play at both linebacker spots. So it, it's really a question of, you know, where do you see these guys landing? What What is your evaluation of them? Is it worth, you know, letting them go somewhere else and just trying to make the numbers work? But just at a general, you know, at a 50,000 feet level, I do think they are likely done. Um, as you mentioned, they do have some, um, you know, other positions that they are still trying to fill. And with the spots being sort of in that mid-teens, I mean, that, that's pretty small from a recruiting class. And that's, you know, somewhat the norm through most of these um, classes that we're seeing across the country with, you know, sort of a gray area on, um, you know, scholarship help after this past year of having, you know, seniors being able to repeat their senior year and everyone getting an additional year of eligibility. And of course, you know, the transfer portal has become a big part of the recruiting game as well. So in terms of purely high school recruiting, uh, I think spots are limited, like you mentioned. So, um, Malachi Hamrick and Bo Atkinson, those could be your two sort of edge rusher types in this class, but we'll definitely see moving forward. Yeah, and I, I think Carolina would live with that. Uh, you know, you get two really talented in-state prospects, two guys that are inside of, of that umbrella that I think most people are looking for when you're trying to get to the level where Carolina is on the offensive and defensive lines, uh, which is guys that are inside of that top 500 that we've talked about a lot here on this show. Uh, and and they've got two really solid players. I think the the interesting one, you mentioned him in there, is, is Bryson Jennings. That'll be one name to keep an eye on. Do they deem him a guy that they would be willing to take on 
you know, maybe create an extra spot for. Um, you know, I think one thing that is telling when it comes to just the defensive line and edge rushers, if you combine them into one category, is, you know, we kind of wonder why Carolina was not as aggressive with, you know, a guy like Curtis Neal, who's a three-star in-state guy who, uh, you know, Carolina was out of the running pretty early for him. Uh, Santana Hopper, another guy out of Shelby High School, same high school as Malachi Hamrick, uh, who Carolina offered. I think a lot of people thought that Carolina was going to be a heavy factor in that recruitment. That doesn't appear to be the case. But I think now we're sort of seeing that Carolina is, I mean, they're having to make some really difficult decisions uh, when it comes to picking and choosing their targets in this class. Because, you know, as you mentioned, you know, this is this is a smaller class and they still have needs that uh, they have to go after. You know, one of those positions where it feels like Carolina still has a need at that they do have to go after is at running back. Uh, you know, again, it's really just about a stat, can, you know continuing to establish depth there. Of course, you're going to lose a guy that you would feel like is going to be a pretty big producer for you this year and graduate transfer Ty Chandler after the year is over. So there looks like there will still be opportunity there. Carolina is in the running for some really really big prospects in this class. Guys that are uh, high-end four stars, close to being five stars. I think the guy you've got to start with is Amari and Hampton. Uh, since the start of June, Hampton has been on campus at least twice. There's rumored to be a third time that he was on campus. And one of the other rumors that was really interesting around him is that he apparently, according to some people um, that, you know, uh, that, that have tossed some information my way, uh, apparently, he did leave his Auburn visit early. So, uh, that is something. That was an official visit. Um, it's very, very rare that you're going to see a guy, even if they're not really having the best time, usually they're going to stick it out because, I mean, yeah, it, it's basically a weekend vacation at a place. Maybe you stick it out, see if maybe some things change and and, and you can change your mind and, and, and figure out whether or not that team is actually a legitimate contender. But uh, Carolina, it, it, he has visited there pretty often. Uh, he visited there a lot last year during the pandemic uh, because it was so close. And it seems like the Tar Heels have a really, really good opportunity to land one of the best running backs in the state of North Carolina. Absolutely. Like you mentioned, or, or just to give an overview here, Hampton is a guy that you know went ahead and for the month of June, set these official visits, um, setting visits to Florida, Auburn, uh, which are the two he's already been to, and then Penn State and Ohio State, sort of for each of the four uh, June weekends that we have. But as you mentioned, I mean, he's been to North Carolina, it seems like, two or three times. Um, I've heard sort of the same things, that he did leave Auburn a little bit early and did show up you know, on campus sort of that in that same weekend time. So even with these sort of cross-country visits that Amari and Hampton is taking – you know, there's a continuous documented pattern of he's constantly coming back to North Carolina. Um, so you you have to look at that and see some legitimate interest there if he's taking the time to show up continuously on campus um, and, you know, could look to take an official visit here in the fall, depending on what his commitment schedule looks like. But uh, certainly a guy that's got to be high up on that board in the running back room, um, another guy that's made an unofficial visit that's probably also important to mention here, um, running back out of Virginia in George Petaway, probably um, you know, sort of buying for that top running back spot with Marion Hampton as one of these blue chip prospects that North Carolina is recruiting. But, you know, in the past few weeks he's made an unofficial visit as well, was sort of questionable on if he's gonna take an official visit to North Carolina as was a local school, has since affirmed he is in fact going to officially visit North Carolina. So mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, another one to mention here would be uh Mari Alston, another yep. um, running back that's, you know, visited recently unofficially that sort of in that loop there. So North Carolina has some options in terms of guys that they get, whether that be, you know, just run one running back or a pair of running backs. Um, it feels like the North Carolina, especially with the success that we saw from uh, their tandem from the past year, uh, Javante Williams, and Michael Carter in the NFL draft, it feels like that North Carolina has a lot of um, equity 
with recruits at that position. And I, I think really with any combination of these guys, um, and another one to mention, of course, and Michael Allen, another in-state prospect that North Carolina is recruiting, really any combination of those guys, whether it be one or two, um, you're going to have a good running back class. And I, I feel pretty strongly that they're going to have a good class of running backs in 2022. Oh, I, I'm 100% with you on that. Uh, I think the interesting guy, the, the most interesting out of that group was probably Alston because I feel like, and I don't know if you felt the same way, it felt like there was a little bit of separation between the other three guys that they were recruiting in Alston. I, I, it felt like almost to a certain extent, Carolina was, you know, I, maybe not them backing off, but maybe Alston was kind of uh, uh, backing off of Carolina a little bit, that you know he, he ends up taking an unofficial visit. Uh, re- made it pretty well known that he was fitting Carolina in, and uh, I think that that is pretty telling for sure. Um, the other thing with you know w- with Petaway, um, you know he's it, it was basically from what people have been saying. He was there the entire weekend. It was an unofficial visit, but it's pretty close to an official visit. If you're there the entire weekend, you're basically going through an official visit. It's just that you're paying for everything yourself. Whereas when you're on an official visit, everything is paid for by the school. So, um, I, 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 and he's done that with a couple of schools too. It's not just Carolina, but it seems like what he's doing, and you know, this is probably smart considering an. You know, that you haven't been able to, you know, meet some of these coaches face to face. You haven't been to a lot of these campuses. As he's just trying to kind of feel things out uh, throughout the summer, and then maybe you know, as they get into the fall, you know, sometime early in the fall, maybe you could see him make a decision. That kind of feels like where you would see him make that decision. But I think, put it this way, I, I think he's going to take longer than a guy like Amari and Hampton. I think Hampton is doing his homework now, and I would be, I would be shocked if he makes it to the start of his senior year of high school football in the fall and is not committed somewhere. And I think that's going to be one of the other interesting things because, you know, as we talked about a little bit ago here, this class is small. But I think if in a, in a certain combination of guys and and if they go off the board in a certain order I think Carolina would clear space so let's say that Amari and Hampton was to go ahead and commit to Carolina I think if George Petaway wanted to commit to Carolina that feels like a guy that they would make sure he's got a spot whereas if they feel that the class is small if they feel like it's a bit restrictive to them to add another running back I'm not sure that they would take on a guy like Michael Allen or Demory Alston if they feel like other spots, you know, could fill up. If they, you know, if, if there's potential at some of these other positions to land a guy or two, or, or if there's a position where they feel like they still have somebody uh, that they need. What, what do you feel about that? Do you feel like that's kind of where Carolina would be at? Where if Petaway was to, or or Hampton, let's say Petaway went ahead and committed early, do you feel like you know do either of those two guys probably have a spot? Whereas the other two guys, it kind of depends on what happens with uh, Hampton and, and Petaway above them? I'm kind of there with you that um, amongst the four, I think there are sort of a clear top two in Petaway and Hampton. And I also think sort of as we mentioned before, the spots are limited, but there is potential, at least in my opinion, um, that if they have certain prospects that are too talented to you know turn away, that they will figure out the scholarship numbers one way or the other to get those guys in the class. And I think that, like you mentioned, Pedway or Hampton, those are the guys that you're going to make room for. So I do think that there are scenarios in which, um, you know, you have either Pedway or Hampton out there in a scenario in which, you know, you have one guy that you give the green light to um, and that goes ahead and commits and you have another one on the board. I I don't think that you're going to turn that guy away necessarily. And I think uh, maybe a little bit less than the outside linebacker position or edge position that we already mentioned. I think running back is definitely a position in which they could consider that, especially with these guys on board. Um, I, I feel strongly that North Carolina is at least going to get one of them um, between Petaway and Hampton. But, you know, the staff definitely has options here. I mean, it's not just based on the star rankings. The staff has their own opinions. 
maybe that they have Allen or Austin on the board a little bit higher than we mm-hmm. might think. So, you know, you never know. But you're more likely than not getting one or two blue chip running backs in this class uh, to sort of reload what you lost last year um, in Williams and Carter. So, you know, again, to the conclusion, I think North Carolina is just going to continue to add talent to this room, continue to add talent to this roster uh, in a way that we, you know, as we've mentioned on multiple podcasts, they're looking to build this roster to be an ACC contender and a national contender. And I think they're putting in the effort on the recruiting trail to do that. Well, we go from a position where Carolina's got a lot of targets that are still available to a position that now looks a little bit thinner in terms of their targets and really allows Carolina to sort of focus on one guy here. That's its safety, of course. Uh, some of you guys may have saw the news. If you didn't see the news today, Sherrod Koval, the four-star uh, safety prospect out of Oscar Smith High School in Chesapeake, Virginia. Uh, not shocking. He ends up committing to Clemson Recently received an offer, took an official visit there. He was scheduled to take an official visit to Carolina. Uh, that got canceled pretty much uh, the first day that he was on campus at Clemson. And I think at that moment, everybody kind of knew that Clemson was the place that he was going. He revealed that today at the Rivals uh, Challenge uh, that they had down in Atlanta, which is uh, the top 100 players from the um, from, from all the tours that they do uh, with their camps around the country uh, where, where you know everybody comes out. Those are the top players. He went there, announced his commitment today at the end of the camp. Uh, and that really allows Carolina to sort of focus on Jake Pope, a, a guy that Carolina had on campus on the first weekend uh, after you know the dead period wrapped up. He was on campus through from June 4th through the 6th. And everything seemed to go pretty well for Carolina, actually to the point where Steve Wilfong put in a crystal ball for the Tar Heels. But since then, that crystal ball has been rescinded. There is a lot coming out of Notre Dame that his visit there was really, really good. So it's kind of hard to get a read on on exactly where he's at because, I mean, look, he's taken two visits. After the first one, it seemed like Carolina was going to be in the driver's seat. Really tough for someone to beat them. Then he goes to Notre Dame. Now they get the crystal ball prediction. Steve Wilfong pulls the crystal ball prediction from Carolina. They're saying that that recruitment uh, is now you know going in the favor of Notre Dame. That visit went great. So he seems like a guy that right now people think is really reactionary. It'll be interesting to see. But I think with Koval off the board here, this sort of allows Carolina to turn up the heat on Pope. And uh, you know, look, you're you're a guy that uh, you know, not only knows a lot about Carolina recruiting, also knows a lot about Alabama recruiting. That's another one of the teams that's right in the thick of things for him. You know, is Alabama someone to worry about here? And you know, ultimately, where do you think Carolina's at in this recruitment after you know suddenly getting the crystal ball pulled and and Notre Dame seeming to now be back in the driver's seat? mentioned uh will visit alabama so we'll also visit ohio state so that if there's going to be you know a fourth team that you have to worry about in this recruitment um it would be them but you know this is a recruitment that is first and foremost a dogfight coming out of these official visits i mean we saw like you mentioned saw some positive momentum with north carolina coming out of that first weekend and then saw that seemingly flip uh to notre dame you know the weekend after so this is one that is going to be you know, a battle here. Um, now, when you look at sort of um, those, what you consider elite programs, when you look at the Ohio State at the Alabama, um, it, it, it really is somewhat of a question of, you know, do they have some guys that might be, you know, a little bit more nationally known on the board? And I think it's somewhat hard to say to some extent. Uh, like we mentioned um in discussing Bo Atkinson, uh, but it's true across the country is that stats really don't have as much information on the 2022 class Mm -hmm. just because of, you know, COVID limiting the um, evaluation opportunities this past year. So I think with a lot of staffs with, you know, with schools like Alabama, with Ohio State that are, 
consistently going to the playoff, they can be a little bit more choosy and they can, you know, choose to get guys on campus. So as of right now, I would not view Alabama as, you know, or Ohio State as one of the primary contenders. I still think it's between Notre Dame and UNC, but they could get him, you know, in a workout setting. They could uh, see him at either one of these locations and, um, you know, and really like him. And then it's off to the races there. Um, as, as we see with some of these recruitments, when you have schools like a Clemson or Ohio State, Alabama, they can get into recruitment like that and be a primary player. Uh, but in my view, sort of going into these last official visits, I do think that obviously they're going to, you know, they're going to put on a good time for him. But I do think it is going to come down to UNC and Notre Dame at the end. Obviously, it doesn't have a set commitment date, but like a lot of these prospects that are, you know, taking um, four, if not five official visits. In the month of June, I think we'll see a fair amount of commitments in July and August. Pope likely will be one of those guys. Um, with that, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to come down to North Carolina and Notre Dame. I think that, you know, Pope more likely than not is going to let these visits settle. He's going to have a few weeks um, or a few days where he can really think everything over. And I, I think it'll be sort of on the staff at North Carolina to, um, continually recruit him. I mean, you're right. if you look at this recruitment sort of, you know, at a macro level, this is big boy recruiting. You're recruiting against three of the four teams that were in uh, the playoff this past year. So if you look at it that way, I mean, this is a this is a big recruitment. Um, even, you know, as just a three-star, if you just want to view it as just a, a three-star prospect. So I, I think that there is still work to do. I don't think North Carolina is out of it. But like you mentioned, uh, with Koval off the board, this really becomes, you know, the primary, if not only, safety target or, you know, clear safety target that North Carolina has. I don't think that's necessarily the case at uh, Notre Dame, Ohio State, or Alabama. So I think that, that if there's any factor specifically that can work in North Carolina's favor in this recruitment. Um, I think it is the fact that he is going to be, you know, he's going to get that individualized attention um, from North Carolina that he might not get from these other schools. So I think that's definitely something that's playing into their favor uh, going into this recruitment. But it's still going to be a battle, you know, throughout the summer. But it's one that we'll be watching closely at that safety position. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, I, I think that's something that Jay Bateman should definitely sell to him is that, look, you are the guy on our board now. Look, there may be another guy. Uh, and, and I think if Carolina is really hell-bent on adding a safety in this class, um, which is possible because, look, there's a chance that you could lose Trey Morrison at the end of the year. Remember that, you know, he is a senior, but you do have the super senior year that will be available to him if he wants it. Uh, Carolina could look there, and, and, and you know, another thing with that is that Carolina's secondary last year uh, did not play, or primarily the safeties, did not play great, and they have talked about that. Mac Brown mentioned that in some of his spring press conferences that they needed to see better play out of the safeties. So that could be an area that they see as, as a primary need and that they want to add somebody at. Uh, Marcus Allen would probably be the other guy you'd look at. He's a guy that can kind of, he's got some versatility to him. He can play either corner or safety. So I think, and, and it works kind of in Carolina's favor where if they feel like they're not in the greatest spot with Pope, remember that Allen is visiting on the final weekend of June, uh, the 25th through the 27th. So if you get a feeling that, ah, you know, Pope's probably leaning Notre Dame, you can turn up the heat then on Allen in that final week. But if Carolina feels good, I feel like they are going to probably push all their chips to the middle of the table, try to go all all in on Pope, and I mean, it makes sense. This is a guy that Jay Bateman has liked since the word go. Uh, his three-star rating means absolutely nothing to me. I've seen him play. I've watched him multiple times when I've watched Buford games. He is a guy that if, if this was a normal season where, you know, you had guys that, uh, you know, that all the eyes were on them during the fall, 
Uh, if they were able to go to a lot of these prospect camps, he would easily be a four-star prospect. He is a, a, a legit guy. There's a reason that Alabama and Ohio State have offered him have at least made pushes at some point in his recruitment, even though they're right now not at the top. Uh, so, yeah, this this is a guy that Carolina holds in high regard and definitely should. Sticking in uh, that defensive backfield, you know, another guy that was on campus in that first weekend from the 4th to the 6th was Jaden Lucas out of Malden High School in Malden, South Carolina. And this is another guy where Carolina seemed to have a pretty significant impact in his recruitment. Uh, you know, Carolina it didn't end up getting a crystal ball prediction, but what did happen is after this visit, Steve Wilfong, uh, who was the director of recruiting at 24-7 Sports, he did drop the confidence level on his pick for Clemson all the way down to a one. So he keeps the prediction for Clemson, but it seems like at this point, Carolina is as close as they have ever been in this recruitment to potentially taking over as the favorite over Clemson. I think at this point, Clemson is definitely still the favorite, but it feels like this is starting to become a neck-and-neck neck battle for his recruitment. And we've talked about this a couple of times already. Is Dre Bly going to be able to pull this off? And, I mean, is, is this what Carolina needed, especially with the fact that Clemson is a team that holds off on their official visits until the fall. Absolutely. Like you mentioned, on campus that first weekend in June, um, and, you know, after that visit, we saw clear impact of the, uh, of, you know, the significance or the uh, momentum that North Carolina got out of that official visit weekend with Steve Wolf on uh, 24-7 Sports dropping his crystal ball down to one. And, you know, this week reporting uh, through some of their podcasting that um, that's probably where it's going to stay up until any sort of announcement unless you hear something different, essentially, that you know, North Carolina and Clemson are neck and neck for uh, Jaden Lucas um, and that, you know, he probably lean Clemson right now, but that's just by a hair. So, I mean, this is a pretty significant recruitment. Uh, we do discuss on this podcast pretty often about sort of these recruitments that uh, you see Clemson and North Carolina battling for over the past few classes, and it's really been a sticking point and sort of one of those, um, maybe not obstacles, but goals that North Carolina is looking to accomplish on the recruiting front of you know, winning some of these battles against Clemson. Obviously, we've discussed the recruitment of Tony Grimes, of how Clemson sort of lost that momentum and UNC gained it. But, you know, when you look at Lucas specifically, um, though he has mentioned, you know, his family is not necessarily, you know, Clemson alums or fans, it's in a heavy Clemson area. It's in South Carolina, first and foremost, but it's in a Clemson area. So there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of reason, at least at face value, to just look at the geography and assume, oh, he's going to go to Clemson. He's going to go to, you know, Davos when he's program. But North Carolina, Trey Bly specifically, has really put them in a position here uh, to be a factor, uh, not only in this recruitment, but I think another one to mention here briefly, of a guy that's going to visit here at the end of the month, and another highly rated quarterback in Dale and Everett. Um, formerly out of the Tidewater area, now in um, IMG Academy in Bradenton, Florida. But this is another one in which you see uh, Clemson and North Carolina really up there at the top. I think, in my opinion, they'd be the top two for both schools. And, you know, it, it is not out of the question that you see, you know, a scenario in which North Carolina gets both or goes one and one with Clemson. And I, I think that's an accomplishment in and of itself. Um, and really speaks to sort of the acumen that we've seen of Dre Bly. We've mentioned it time and time again, not only his impact in the Tidewater area, but the way that he's able to connect with some of these defensive backs, the way that he's able to really sell himself, not only as someone who's done it at Carolina, but as a, you know, as a defensive back coach, uh, which is, you know, really great contrast, a really great turn of events after sort of the reporting that we saw uh, when he was hired by Mac Brown. So, um, you know, with that, I, I think that these are both recruitments um, 
not to get off of Lucas entirely, but these are both recruitments, um, sort of for a, a second or third quarterback, uh, cornerback, excuse me, uh, that are going to be hotly contested. But it really just speaks to, you know, what UNC is building that they are, you know, this heavily involved with a high, highly rated recruit in Clemson's backyard, and that they're, you know, that Clemson's having to struggle for this. Uh, really just speaks to how far North Carolina has come on that recruiting front, um, not only regionally, uh, but at a national level. I'm going to tell you, I think if Carolina was able to pull this off, there is an argument to be made that even if they were to land Travis Shaw, this might be an even bigger statement than that, considering that this is a five-star. And yeah, this is considered to be in Clemson's backyard, as they would say, with the quotations around it. It's it's a 45-minute drive. So we're not, I mean, this is not a guy that lives, you know, right outside of campus. Like, there was a guy a couple years ago, I don't know if you you remember him, um, Cole Beck, he was a running back that Carolina was recruiting, ended up going to Virginia Tech, and this this guy literally lived like, he, he lived in Blacksburg, he lived like five minutes off of campus. This is a little bit of a different scenario, but especially in the state of South Carolina, if Clemson wants somebody, they are usually in, in in the last few years. They're usually going to get that prospect. So for Carolina to come in and and it, don't don't get anything mixed up. No matter what what people are telling you, Clemson fans, what this is a prospect that Clemson wants badly because he is a five star prospect. He's a guy that. I mean, he, he's he's got. I mean, I'm not gonna say it's the same exact skill set as Tony Grimes. Tony Grimes is a guy that was rated on some boards inside of the top ten. Uh, Jaden Lucas is a guy that's rated more towards you know the lower thirties uh, in terms of overall prospects. But this is still a guy that he's got the abil- the coverage ability to come in, and if you needed him to play snaps in week one for you, he could come in and probably put up a heck of a fight and show you a, a lot of potential as a true freshman. Um, I, I think that there's there's a lot of people that would be put on notice if Carolina was able to pull this off. And a couple other guys uh, really quick that have been on campus already. Uh, four official visits. Uh, guys, uh, you know, for the first weekend, Sebastian Cheeks came on campus to Carolina uh, from the 4th through the 6th. Just recently, this past weekend, took a visit to Texas, which is the other team uh, that seems to be uh, right now in uh, that category of the favorites for him. Uh, that visit, um, you know, haven't seen a ton on that visit, um, but it seems like uh, things went at, at least decent because they haven't dropped any crystal ball predictions. Uh, you know, haven't they haven't lost any confidence. So, um, seems like they're still they're they're still in pretty good standing there. It looks like that could potentially come down to Carolina and Texas. A lot of people feel like Notre Dame's kind of out of that recruitment. They have guys that uh, they see as, as as bigger targets. Just just to be honest with you, on their board. Uh, so that's one. If Carolina wants him. Uh, I think Carolina definitely has an opportunity there. Uh, another guy that has been on campus uh, for an official visit came during the middle of this week. We told you a little bit about him. Uh, another guy that was offered uh, not too far in the in, in the past here uh, is a guy out of Malden High School, another guy, Deuce Caldwell. Um, interestingly enough, I found this out about him. I did not know this. He is actually not a student at Malden High School. He actually goes to... I believe it's legacy early college, or it could be Legion Collegiate High School. One of the two. Um, either way, both of those are are, are prep schools. Uh, they don't have football programs, so he, he ends up playing his high school football at Malden High School. So, in terms of a relationship with Jaden Lucas, uh, apparently their relationship isn't as strong as some may think because they go to the same high school. So that is something that's that's pretty interesting. Carolina did host him for a visit. 
he's another one of those guys where if he receives a scholarship offer from Clemson, he would probably commit on the spot. Um, you know, we saw that as I mentioned with Sherrod Koval. It feels like that's probably the same boat that Carolina's in with Deuce Caldwell. If he doesn't receive that offer, though, uh, Carolina looks like they could be in pretty good standing. Uh, UCF, who he's going to take an official visit to later in the month, uh, they you know have a little bit of a heads up on Carolina, but they're still a team that hasn't really been in his recruitment all that long, so it's not like he has long-term established relationships with them. So uh, that is one to definitely monitor, especially uh, if, if Carolina is still wanting to uh, take on you know some of those hybrid linebackers, and it looks like they are. It looks like they are wanting to add at least one hybrid linebacker in this class, whether that's uh, him or Xavier Simmons. It feels like one of those guys will probably be a part of Carolina's class at this point. Um, let's you know take a look at some of the guys that are coming up. You know we're going to touch on some of the guys uh, for from this week, and I think the biggest one and the one that everybody's talking about right now is Andre Green Jr., the four-star wide receiver at a St. Christopher's school in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, this feels like a pretty big visit for Carolina. Coming into the month, uh, a lot of people felt like Carolina was in the driver's seat. Uh, it seemed like there was a lot of information to back that up. And then he goes to the prospect camp at Clemson. He ends up getting the offer that it seems like he has been seeking out for a while. Now, the good news is, and this was something that I kind of expected as well, I, I thought that it would have an effect on his recruitment, which it appears it has, but he did not commit on the spot. So it feels like Carolina's still got a really good opportunity here. It feels big for the Tar Heels, though, that they come out and impress this weekend. Is that kind of where you're at when it comes to the visit for the four-star wide receiver out of the state of Virginia? I think so, yeah. Uh, like you mentioned, did visit Clemson and sort of get uh, that offer that he was looking for. Uh, but uh, same as North Carolina, I think Clemson is working with some tight numbers right now. Already have a wide receiver committed in the class in a local prospect, Adam Randall. Uh, some Tar Heel fans might remember that name as he did have some interest in North Carolina early. But I, I don't think that Clemson is looking to take more than you know one, maybe two more uh, wide receivers in this class. So they are limited. Uh, they probably would have uh, communicated that to um, Andre, and he didn't jump at the offer um, like some might have thought. So um, he, he strikes me as a kid. Obviously, he's been going all over the country taking both official and unofficial visits. Um, we'll take one, like you mentioned, in North Carolina. But I, I think he's a kid that is going through his recruitment in earnest mm -hmm. at this point. Um, did spend this past uh, weekend, I believe, at Georgia on an official visit uh, after camping at Clemson. So I, I think they probably, if there's a third team, I think it's going to be Georgia. I know that they have some interest in um, you know being involved there, but you know this is one that's going to be a, a continued watch. I, I think that you know he will likely go into this visit here in North Carolina. He's got some more visits scheduled, specifically an official to Oregon. Um, you know, sort of in this next week and then an official in the ball to, to Notre Dame. Uh, I, I think that this is one that's going to go into the fall um, just based on the number of visits he's trying to take um, all over the country. So, you know, I, I do think that North Carolina has some, you know, has some equity built up here. I think they've been pretty consistent with him throughout this past dead period and will sort of, you know, help add to that with this official visit weekend, but this will be one uh, similar to Jake Pope. It's going to be, you know, a pretty hotly contested recruitment going into the fall. So, well, I do think that North Carolina is in good position and is certainly feeling better after coming out of this past week with him, not jumping at that Clemson offer. This is going to be one where North Carolina is going to have to put up a fight um, into the fall and, you know, really put that effort in. Yeah, I, I think it really depends. I, I don't know with with him because 
I felt like before he got the Clemson offer, he was probably one of those guys that was a near lock to make his announcement before uh, the start of the fall season. But now, yeah, I I think there is probably going to be a a little bit of an evaluation period from him where he's going to kind of go through and and try to, you know, sort of evaluate what he thinks of of Carolina, what he thinks of Clemson. Uh, Shocking that I feel like it's going to come down to a Clemson uh, Carolina battle. It seems like that's pretty much any big time prospect that Carolina is going after all of their major targets, it seems like, that remain in the class. Clemson uh, is the team that seems to be the biggest challenger to Carolina uh, with all of these guys. But um, I think one of the things is it really depends on what what happens this weekend. I think that if he feels like this is a perfect visit, this is everything that I'm looking for, I do think that there's a chance that he go he goes ahead and says, look, got the offer from Clemson, but yeah, there probably are other guys that are a little bit higher on their board. They already got Adam Randall in there. And, and look, you may be saying, well, Carolina's got a wide receiver commit in this class as well. That's true. Carolina does. But they've got a guy in Tyshawn Chapman who is, I mean, he's the definition of a slot receiver. He's 5'10", he's 160 pounds. Um, we talked about it when they landed him. He's going to be a guy that's going to probably, when he originally arrives on campus, he will be challenging for the backup spot or to try to get on the field in four wide receiver sets behind Josh Downs. He, he's pretty much going to be his clone the first couple of years on campus. Um, Adam Randall is a guy who is 6'3", 198 pounds. He's a guy that goes up and gets the football. And again, you know, Andre Green, you know, he's 175 pounds, a little bit thinner. But both of those guys, their skill sets are rather similar. So I feel like... You know, I think they would take him on for sure. They wouldn't offer him if they weren't going to. But I feel like if, if you're Andre Green and you think that the visit goes that well and you take a look at Clemson and say they've got a guy that does, you know, has a skill set that's very similar to mine, Carolina is not in this class, he might go ahead and pull the trigger. So he, I, I think he's the guy that most people, and it seems like it's, it's that way, as we head towards the weekend, I think he's the guy that a lot of people are going to be keeping an eye on. And, you know, another guy that's probably keeping an eye on that visit and that recruitment right now is Shalik Knotts, the in-state four-star wide receiver that Carolina is also heavily pursuing uh, at that uh, position. A couple other guys that are expected to be on campus. Uh, One guy I think that we do have to talk a a little bit in depth about here uh, is Fisher Anderson, the four-star offensive tackle out of Franklin High School in Franklin, Tennessee. Uh, It seems like, you know, look, you've got Zach Rice, who I think is kind of head and shoulders above everybody else. He's a guy that, look, if, if he wants to commit to Carolina, even if they're full at the time when he decides that they are going to or he's going to make his commitment, Carolina will clear space to add him to this class. Um, Fisher Anderson seems to be that guy, though, that is right behind him. And there is, you know, some thought that Carolina could take on two offensive tackles in this class. They have offered a lot of offensive tackles. Uh, Right now, the number sits at 14. That's the most of any position that they've offered in this class. And it feels like Anderson is probably priority number two right behind Zach Rice. And, uh, you know, the connection seems pretty good. He's still a guy that I think, you know, from looking at, at, you know, where uh, you know some of the stuff on 24/7 Sports is at in terms of you know the hot the the hot cold warm. Uh, it seems like he's probably still you know kind of going to mull over some things over the summer, and we'll probably take this into the fall. But it feels like Carolina's got a really good chance to, if they're not already, establish themselves as the leader in his recruitment this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just a background on him, uh, pretty good academic guy. So looking at a lot of you know, sort of these high academic schools, I believe looking at Michigan, Northwestern UVA. I believe he was at UVA this past weekend mm-hmm. uh, with Zach Rice. But, um, you know, among those options, I do feel that North Carolina has built up may- maybe not some buzz quite as of yet. But I think that they're doing well. They're sitting pretty good in this recruitment. Uh, but as you mentioned, you know, they are continuously offering 
uh, offering offensive tackle prospects. So, you know, this is a position in which, you know, it might ju- it might not just be Zach Rice. And, you know, as we mentioned with Zach Rice, it's not – Zach Rice is not 100% locked to North Carolina by any stretch. This is a guy that's, you know, continuously taking visits and, you know, will be hotly contested. So not only is there the possibility that they – you know, if they get him, that they take, you know, a third offensive lineman in this class, but also that they need to have options, you know, in, you know, the worst case scenario, that Zach Rice goes somewhere else, they want to have another guy that's here available. And I think that, you know, Fisher Anderson more than fits that spot um, as a guy that could be, you know, a third offensive lineman or a replacement for Zach Rice in that scenario. So, you know, this is just one of those things that, that you want to see from your staff. You want to see them building these relationships um, with more than just one prospect, not honing in just on one guy, but having these options uh, that lets them sort of be selective when they really want to get down to brass tacks and, you know, filling out these spots and understanding, you know, who they're going to have um, to sort of fill out this class. Um, so I, I think that this is a guy that, like you mentioned, is going to go into this weekend, probably not. Um, if I had to bet, I don't think that he's the guy that's necessarily going to, you know, make his decision either coming out of the weekend or go somewhere else and pop. I think he's a guy that wants to take these visits and probably mull over everything. But, you know, just uh, a guy to keep in the back of your mind, obviously, as you mentioned, Zach Rice, largely head and shoulders, at least most people's opinions, I think probably in the staff as well, above the other offensive line prospects. But um, there are other guys on the board here. Uh, that Tar Heel fans need to keep track of, and Fishery Anderson, I'd probably put it the, you know, in that number two spot outside of Zach Rice. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the other guy, I mean, look, he's listed as an offensive tackle here. I mean, Travion Green or, uh, yeah, Trevi, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I did pronounce that right. I want to make sure. Um, he's going to probably project inside. And he's six, seven. He's three, 38. I mean, again, he's a guy that if, if you didn't know his story, if you, you know, didn't listen to the edition of the podcast or, or read the, uh, article that we put up on the web site, he's gone through pretty much a complete overhaul of his body and frame. He was a guy that was up over 400 pounds at one point, um, and that's part of the reason that he reclassified. So yeah, that that's the other offensive lineman in this class. If you're sitting at home and saying three offensive linemen, who does who, who's that third guy? Um, but it more than it, it looks like he will probably kick inside. So that's going to be an area where Carolina has to get somebody in this class. I, I think that when you look at the biggest positions of need in this class, I think offensive tackle is probably the biggest. And, and we said that even early on last year when we were talking about Zach Rice in this class and about you know the fact that there was a point where Carolina really hadn't offered a lot of guys around him. Uh, Fisher Anderson was one of those guys that, that, that was in there pretty early, but um, really it was it, it was pretty much Rice and, and, and Anderson, which we still didn't know much about at the time. And you know, we kind of said to ourselves, Carolina's got to offer somebody here because I mean, you're looking at a guy in Jordan Tucker that a lot of people at the NFL level look at and see that he, you know, look at him as a guy that has the size, he's got the pass protection ability. Um, if he can have a really good season, he's probably going to go ahead and go to the NFL level. Uh, and you know, there's there's still some uncertainty about some of the guys that are behind him in terms of experience. There's definitely some talent there, um, but you know, these are. You know, this is another guy that you know, Fisher Anderson's a four-star prospect. He's a blue chip guy, so you you know wouldn't mind adding him to a room where there is some uncertainty. So I definitely think Carolina is uh, you know they they are going to do their homework here. Uh, as you know, Zach mentioned there there are a couple other guys here that Carolina is really taking a hard look at Kaysen Henry, uh, who is expected to visit during this month. Not exactly sure. I believe he may also be on campus this weekend. He may be another guy uh, that was expected to visit this weekend out of Walton High School in Marietta, Georgia. Um, he could also be visiting with his teammate uh, Marcus Allen uh, next weekend, but not entirely sure about that. And then, you know, a guy that Carolina had on campus uh, you know, early on in the month of June uh, and extended an 
offer to in Justin Kanyuk uh, out of Bethlehem Catholic in uh, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Uh, he's a guy that currently does not have uh, any stars to his name, but again, he's another one of those guys that uh, you know Carolina I think looks at as uh, you know potentially another backup plan if they don't land uh, one of these two guys that we just talked about, and uh, is a you know. Someone that I think if you're just looking at star rating, uh, you need to kind of take a step back and realize that there once was a guy that came into his high school football championship game uh, in his senior season with no stars and turned out to be one of the better running backs in Carolina history, especially in recent memory, and just got drafted in the second round by the Denver Broncos. Of course, I'm alluding to Javante Williams. So uh, Carolina, that's a position where they are showing that they are going to be aggressive and they're going to try to land somebody at this point. A couple other guys that are going to be on campus uh, that we know of. uh, Caden Helms, uh, the tight end out of Bellevue West High School in Bellevue, Nebraska. Um, Carolina, you know, they, they... seem to have some momentum heading into that visit. It doesn't appear like they are the favorite, uh, but the other team schools that are in his recruitment, uh, it seems like Oklahoma probably is the favorite. They've got a, a pretty confident crystal ball prediction on 24-7 sports, but Carolina is listed in the warmer category along with Oklahoma. And then uh, Arizona State, that's a team that's listed as warmer. Not trying to project ahead, but eh, with in light of what is coming Come out here in about the last 24 hours when we're recording this podcast. Not really sure that Arizona State might still be in the thick of that recruitment. Uh, they've got some NCAA things that they're going to be going through here over the next couple of uh, weeks and months, more than likely. Uh, we do know that Caden Helms is going to be on campus, though. And the other thing is, this is also the weekend where Carolina is going to host their premier prospect camp. So last weekend, they had, you know, multiple camps. They actually had four camps where uh, Mac Brown hosted a bunch of different prospects, guys from all over the country coming in, uh, really just trying to impress the staff. A lot of the guys that came in and participated were guys that did not hold offers. There were a few guys that did, but this was mostly for the guys that were trying to earn some scholarship offers. A lot of younger kids there as well. Um, believe it or not, one of Antonio, or actually two of Antonio Cromartie's 13 kids were in attendance at Carolina's camp, so uh, you did have you know some a, a lot of youth there, a lot of guys that you know are just getting ready to come into their freshman seasons uh, in high school, all the way up to guys that are going to be seniors but are still trying to earn scholarship offers that were there. This one a little more focused. This is basically going to be. Uh, Mac Brown's version of what Larry Fedora used to call the freak show. Uh, this is just called the Mac Brown uh, Premier Prospects Camp. So you're going to have some real big names that are going to be uh, on campus going through that camp this weekend in Chapel Hill. Uh, and uh, yeah, that that pretty much uh, wraps it up for this edition of the podcast. Uh, make sure that you guys are following along on the website, HealedSupBlog.com. A whole bunch of great stuff on the website for you guys as uh, We're taking you through this crazy month of June, and then it's really, I mean, this is a month unlike any other in terms of football recruiting. I mean, we've had you covered here for the first half of the month, had you covered with the Bo Atkinson commitment. Make sure you go online, read that article there. We kind of break down his game a little more in depth than even me and Zach spoke about here tonight. Uh, And uh, we're also going to have an article going up here soon on the website, which will tell you, uh, you know, some of the names to keep an eye out for as to who could be the next guy to commit to the class. That's one of those fun articles that we always like to write. Um, So make sure you keep an eye out for that. Well, of course, uh, after this weekend, with this being another official visit weekend, last weekend was really just a focus on those prospect camps. Um, This weekend, I think, is going to be, uh, you know, one where we will probably get some pretty good information about the guys that are going to be on campus. So we will uh, have uh, some updates for you with uh, another stock report. We are going to expect to put one of those up following uh, the weekend of 
official visits. And uh, after that, of course, as we mentioned, uh, things will come to a halt pretty quickly after that. You'll have that final weekend of June where you'll have some significant prospects on campus. And then once they turn to the month of July, I believe that is pretty much it. They will put a halt on everything. It will go back into uh, you know another pseudo dead period until uh, the fall. Uh, so then you know Carolina just kind of sits back and waits. It feels like that month of July though could be pretty crazy, as that will be when a lot of those guys that we talked about who are you know going through a bunch of official visits kind of weigh all their options and then go ahead and set and make decisions. So we'll have you covered through all of that on the website heeltoughblog.com. Also have you covered right here on the podcast. Plenty more of Zach Hubbard to come up to uh, you know come up here on in the next couple of months. So make sure that you guys uh, keep tuning into that. Uh, of course, at the start of July as well, that's that's the thing. Once we flip the page from recruiting, we're going straight into preparations for this upcoming season because we're going to end up doing the position previews. We're going to have those for you both on the website and on the podcast. That's right. You know, we've done it in the last couple of years pretty much just offensive offense defense special teams this year that's not the way that we're doing things we're going to go position group by position group we're going to give you a little more in-depth look at the guys um the podcast of course will be shorter than when we do the offensive and defensive previews but uh it is going to give you a little more in-depth look at the position we'll talk about all the guys that are going to be able to factor in at those positions throughout the year uh there's some really great position battles that are currently going on that we're going to talk about as well so you don't want to miss any of that. That'll be coming up. And then, of course, we'll have all you know the great uh, podcast editions like the, uh, the our five breakout players. We've done that the last couple of years. Those have been really interesting because uh, some of the guys that we have predicted that were going to break out did not. Other guys we were spot on with. So make sure that you guys keep an eye out for all of that stuff. And we've still got, of course, uh, interviews that are going on with former players. We're going to get go through a lot of the uh, offseason, uh, you know, the magazine guys. Guys uh, that write all the previews. We're going to have all those guys on. We're hoping to get Phil Steele back on this year, Steven Lassen from Athlon Sports, all these great guys that have been with us before. We're hoping to get all those guys back on this year to talk about a Tar Heel team that is probably going to be about as nationally relevant as it's been uh, definitely since that 2015 season, but probably since Mac Brown's first stint uh, on campus with Carolina. So all of that, you want to make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you don't miss any of those additions. And also make sure you follow the Facebook page, Heel Tough Blog on Facebook. Just search it in the search bar at the top of the screen. Really would appreciate that and you guys will as well when we bring back the video editions of the podcast which are returning this year for uh, some of the stuff that we're doing in season. Also those previews that I talked about, the position previews all are going to be on camera so you don't want to miss any of that coming up with the Heel Tough blog. So that wraps it up officially for this edition of the podcast. I want to thank Zach Hubbard for hosting with me. want to thank you guys for listening and as always Go Tar Heels!